0: Raise your hand if you've ever given away an hour of free advice only to have that person hire someone else. Happens more often than you'd like. Yeah, that sucks. Let's paint the picture. Mary asks to pick your brain or meet for coffee, or maybe you scheduled a getting-to-know-you call with her. Mary shares a challenge she's been experiencing, and your brain lights up. You immediately think of lots of resources and suggestions to share. Mary starts scribbling down notes. You both are feeling excited. You think to yourself, it feels so good to help her. An hour flies by and at the end, Mary has several pages of notes. She's grateful for your generosity and you're feeling pretty good about how that went. You know Mary has some bigger issues to contend with that you didn't really get into, but you feel confident she'll be back in touch when she's ready to work on that. So what happens next? Rarely do people take immediate action based on free advice, especially when that advice is not a clear strategy, but a random list of tactics. A couple of weeks later, Mary stumbles upon these pages of notes and feels bad that she hasn't put your advice into practice. She's having some trouble deciphering her cryptic notes and is feeling overwhelmed by the number of possible ways forward. A few days later, she sees you at an event and avoids you, because she's afraid you'll ask how things are going and she doesn't want to admit yet that she hasn't done anything she keeps thinking about how generous you were and doesn't want to bother you again until she's figured out exactly what help she needs meanwhile she tells a friend about her situation and that friend introduces her to a coach the coach asks some clarifying questions looks over the list of random tactics and suggests trying out one or two to get started but says to be in touch if mary needs further assistance two weeks later Mary hires that coach to do a strategy session and build out a strategic plan. You hear about this to the grapevine and wonder why it happened again. You gave away an hour of free advice. Why didn't they hire you? Here's a challenge this week. I can help you stop this cycle. There is a magical question to ask when your head is filled with a zillion suggestions and you can feel you're falling into this pattern again. Find out the question that turns the conversation into a prospect call I'll show you how to incorporate into your next pick-your-brain coffee chat or get-to-know-you call. You'll also receive the free advice trap section of my latest book, Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer, No Matter the Size of Your Email List. The magical question isn't even in the book. You can get it, though, at robbysamuels.com forward slash magical. Again, that's robbysamuels.com forward slash magical. If you're looking for other smart tips and strategies that will help you grow your online business, I'm excited to share that the giveaway I participated in last month was so well received that I signed up for another one, this time called the Laptop Lifestyle Giveaway. Over 25 top experts are offering free tools, templates, and training, and over $27,000 in raffle prizes, all to help you have a location-independent business. If you have, or want to have an online business, then I highly recommend you check out the Laptop Lifestyle giveaway at robbysamuels.com forward slash giveaway. It ends March 19th. Try this and let me know how it goes. Before we dive into this week's interview, this month we'll be celebrating the two year anniversary of the hashtag NoMoreBadZoom virtual happy hours. This is an event I've held every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern since March 13th, 2020. It would be awesome if you would make an effort to join us over the next couple of weeks to help us mark the occasion. Whether it's been ages since you've attended or this will be your first time, we would love to see you. Learn more about what happens at this event and register. It's free at nomorebadzoom.com. Now onto this week's interview. Today's guest knows the power of mentorship and self-development. He started his first company right out of college in advertising. He eventually pivoted from advertising into technology and now is a business automation consultant. He is big on self-development and loves to inspire people to get out of their comfort zone through speaking engagements or coaching and mentoring. He is a master connector with over 17,000 contacts on his phone and over 13,000 connections on LinkedIn. He contributes much of his success to strong work ethic a can-do, never-quit attitude, discipline, integrity, and fearlessness that he cultivated in the martial arts. He does a LinkedIn Live broadcast every week called the Master Connection Series. Please join me in welcoming Steve Spiro.
1: Thank you, Robbie. I appreciate being the, uh, the honor and privilege of being on here with you, sir.
0: Steve, thanks for joining me from Stanford, Connecticut. i um, thrilled to have you on here that you and I have crossed paths and now found new ways to cl- continue our collaborations. As you know, this is a show about building strong relationships, which is clearly your forte. The context is leadership. So to kick us off, how would you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead?
1: I'll let you know when that happens, Robbie. (laughs) It's a work in progress. It's a journey. But no, I mean, the truth is, you know, starting a first company out of college, I had zero leadership. My dad had a liquor store. Uh, I really didn't, uh, you know, in, in fact, there were times where I, Um, blew people out. I I got got people to quit. Not on purpose. It was not, you know, I didn't know what what management, leadership, I didn't know any of that, right? Uh, I remember my dad, you know, at a young age, my dad let me run the store at like 14, 15 years old. Hopefully, hopefully this this won't get anyone in trouble. My dad's passed, so I guess he can't get put in jail for that. But uh, he, um, yeah, he let me run the store. and, And one of the guys, Carlos, comes in late. And I, I, I I called him on it, called my dad about it. And long story short, he left me. And later that day people came and robbed the store because it was just me and the the old, yeah, the older guy. um, I forget his name at the time. Uh, Anyway, he was the, he, he he and I, and we were not properly staffed. And, you know, I learned a really crucial lesson at this timing. And it was just the way I was. It was very straightforward. Very. And then, you know, my, when I started my advertising company, my, my partner, you know, at one point is because we had we're hiring people, and he says to me, I got great news. I said, We're well, actually, the company is going to spend the money, invest the money, and we're going to send you to a Dale Carnegie course. I said, like, Okay, great. And so I, I wound up, uh, you know, going, going to that, and that helped a little bit learning about people skills. And, but it really didn't make an impact until I finally was in the ad- advertising industry working uh, as an associate creative director. And I, I had a team that was starting to work with me. And I found myself saying things that magically came from that book and I empowered people. And I started to say, listen, it's okay if you, because, you know, the average person doesn't want to make mistakes and, 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 you know, the guys, the people that were reporting to me, they were like, you know, afraid to make mistakes. And I empowered them. and I said, listen, it's okay. Mistakes are okay. Let's just learn from them, but don't, don't worry about it. We, we want to, you know, especially being in the creative field, you want to be able to have the room to be able to you know, fail forward, so to speak. So it was a journey. And then uh, I finally was blessed to be, uh, you know, have somebody come in my life, become a mentor to me and, and, and the way he has mentored and coached and, and he was, he's, he's really a servant leader. And, and so I've learned that, that, that really leadership to me, it's servant leadership. It's not management, it's servant leadership. And it's really, see, how can I help other people? How can, how can it be a blessing? I know there's some great books out there, like, you know, true leaders eat last or whatever, I, I might be misquoting the book, but the premise being like, let others, you know, you, you're going to empower others. You're going to help others and eventually you get yours versus the old fashioned model, which is, you know, I'm going to do you before you do me. Right. You know, and, and, uh, you know, there, there's a more of an, a golden rule kind of that, you know, the, the, you know, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. And really pe- treat re- people right. And look to empower people and look to develop people versus, just really just look to manage people. So it's, it's again, still work in progress. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book about it. I'm, I, you know, I'll never arrive. I'm sure. You know, I always believe that you're either tomato that's ripening or tomato that's rotting. And I always want to be ripening and growing. And uh, I was, I always want to stay green. Never want to get to that red or really that rotting stage. That's for sure.
0: What a visual, that last comment, <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a visual as metaphor about rotting tomatoes. <laughs> so Um, First of all, that's an amazing story of of leadership growth. Um, You know, I, at a very young age, my father worked in a flea market as sort of a side hustle. And I must have been, I was six years younger than my sister, and she was probably six or seven years younger than any other employee. So, you know, I was uh, 10, 12, 14 years old, and uh, everyone was in their 20s and beyond. And I... I (laughs) I'm not a quiet kid. So eventually my dad says, load up these pallets and take them. I got, a, I got you a little space by one of the doors. You can take whatever you want and go set up your own shop there. And he told me the other day, like, he's like, I just need to get you out of my hair for a day. But I, you know, like you, like having that, you know, the, the opportunity to take on leadership, but then you start to realize some of your shortcomings um and the the story of you know firing you know pushing someone to the point where they leave and then and then getting robbed I mean like that's a lesson right there uh usually these things take a while to to realize and for you that felt like an immediate karma um in that moment Yeah. oh yeah what were you like as a as a kid you know you know before all this clearly if you were 14 15 years old and your dad thinks you're capable of running a store you know, what were you like? Were you already a person that people sought out or did you already, you know, kind of raise your hand or organize your friends in the playground? Like, I don't know, who who were you in the playground, you know, primary school, that kind of thing. Wow.
1: I I would love to say that was me at all, but I was not that. I was the guy who was picked on bullied, learning disabled, dyslexic, really low self-esteem for a long time into my, you know, adulthood, solid adulthood, you know, into probably like thirties and forties, quite frankly. And, um, I was not the go-to guy, and, you know. Now I learned how to thrive in my environment, When you put me out of that environment, I didn't know how to thrive. Right, so early on when I worked at my dad's store, I was, you know, I was the li- delivery boy. You know, I was the the stock boy, so to speak. But then I just started to see, and I, you know, I learned through, you know, experience. I learned through doing, and I saw, you know, what kind of the role looks like, and and eventually i grew into that you know role that i could manage the store i guess and uh it wasn't that complicated right i learned what you needed to do and you know it's easy to say you know hello can i help you you know is there anything you need and, and it wasn't that hard right um in the martial arts you know i had a couple you know black belts right in the martial arts you know i started out as a as a white belt like everyone does and and i grew and, and you know over time seeing my sensei you know, in the front of the class, giving class and heard all the commands and all the things he would do and how he carried himself. I was able to visualize that and eventually internalize it to the point where I was able to be confident in that role in class. But you take me outside of class, you know, I was not a confident guy. You take me out of the advertising arena, I was not a confident guy. You know, in that role, I was confident, but not, ne- not normally. And it wasn't until, you know, a lot of growth and a lot of, as I said, Incredible people coming into my life and and that self-development journey that I was able to be in a place where now I feel like people want to lean into me and and come to me versus, you know, I was just, you know, again, I was the guy, Robbie. Maybe you could appreciate this. I don't know, but but I was the guy who was last pick on the teams most of the time. If I was even picked, okay. That was who I was growing up. So there's a part of me that that followed me all the way into my adulthood, you know. And 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 contributed to that low self-esteem and and that nobody really wants you and you know I'll, I'll tell a story I've told this on broadcast before, but i was I was actually my my family uh family friends of ours in the neighborhood in the bronx we uh we had i guess one of my friends his his father or so many someone in his is uh someone i think it was probably his father i'm pretty sure was was a somewhere in production with a show that I'm guessing you won't know of. It's called Wonderama. It was aired on TV. It was like a kids show. You you shake your head, so maybe you know. Um, But uh, it's 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 it was a show, and and on the show, I was um, I was picked to be sort of a panelist, if you will, on the show. Um, And the show that the segment of the show is called Guess Your Best. And basically, what it was was I think I want to say three pretty girls that were all probably like eight or ten years old, and then they had us, the boys. And I, maybe there was five of us, six of us. I don't remember. It might have been an equal number. I can't remember now. And they asked the audience, because it was like a poll. I'm sure it was not electronic back in the day. It was a poll. And they asked the audience, who, which girl would pick which guy? Well, long story short, nobody picked me. OK, so that was just how I grew up. You know, it's just like that's, that's it all yeah. contributed to my self-esteem. So, no, I was not the guy. And it took a lot of years for me to grow out of that self-esteem about you know, nobody wants me, nobody's going to pick me, you know, etc. cetera.
0: I imagine you have a lot of empathy though. And for other people who are still feeling that way.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And then that sort of feeds into how you think about relationships and why you care so much. I, I get that. I, I was, um, I had to figure out my backstory for why I was so into networking. I was, um, starting a weekly email and I needed, I needed like a welcome email. Right. Like, and, uh, usually the story is like, I was just like you. And then I learned this one thing and now I can teach you this one thing, except I was never a shy introvert. So why am I, so? what is it? And for me, it was a story about not fitting in and not belonging. And to me, that really is like, I have a whole camp story, you know, kind of like you, right. Like that kind of thing. And so I really think that that early childhood stuff really sticks with us. Um, I want to ask you later on about your mentor and how you found them, but I want to hear more about your career trajectory because advertising is a really specific thing to want to get into How, did you know that was a thing like when you were in college were you already like "Oh clearly I love this this is totally what I want to do or did you fall into that as well through relationships
1: well I, I want to answer that question but I, I can I just tell you a quick camp story um, yeah you mentioned a camp story so this is the opposite side of that for for those who maybe uh, this may be inspired. I know that you know, the, your viewership, uh, or your listenership is, is, is l- loves to be inspired. And, and so I, when I went to camp, I went to sleepaway camp, and nobody in the camp knew who I was. They didn't know the Steve Spiro back in the And by the way, I, I'm going to be another, another piece of authentic transparency here. My nickname growing up, again, okay, last name Spiro, was Spaz, Spaz, S-P-A-Z, okay? So I was the uncoordinated, awkward guy. Well, nobody knew that about me. So I went to camp and you know, no one knew it about when they went to camp, obviously. And I, I was able to completely reinvent myself with that new crowd. And I was like this, you know, the, one of the most popular guys. And I was the, you know, I was the guy that, you know, was one of the best athletic guys there and, and all that stuff. And I, it was a really good lesson early on that you could reinvent yourself. You don't have to be stuck with who you are. You know, sometimes you just need to change your association. So anyway, oh, that's yeah. a side note. I know you asked yeah. about the advertising
0: career. Yeah, but no, I know I love that. Yeah, I appreciate that that context though, because, you know, a lot of times wherever you go, there you are, but if you choose to reinvent, you can do so more easily in sure. new environments.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. And, and new environment is the key for sure. Um, because, you know, a lot of people have that, uh, that perception and sometimes, it, and this is what I learned and we'll get to the other question in a minute. But I learned is a lot of times our self concept is not what we think about ourselves, but Robbie, it's what you think. It's what I think you think about me. That's our self-concept. And so if we get around people that have no, then you can recreate it. Right. So, so just interesting. Well, to answer your question. um, So basically back when I was younger, you know, my friend was the TV and my grandma, my grandma, Gertie, who was a great lady. She was, she has an incredible influence in my life. In fact, I'm Thinking about it, getting a little emotional, but she she actually somehow figured out I had some talent, and you know I was good at like drawing stuff, and so that's where uh, I I started to develop some of those skills, and I realized later um, that as I was starting to think about what school, and when you're from the Bronx, okay, uh, those who maybe is, is listening to this knows there aren't a lot of great schools. There was a few specialized schools that you could go to. One of them was called Bronx Science. Well, Bronx Science, you had to be a genius. Well, I, I told you, learning disabled, dyslexic, that was not me, okay? Definitely was not me. Uh, there, was, there was another school, a couple other schools. One was called, but it was in the city, so I had to commute to it. It was called Art and Design. Well, I had developed, started to develop some, some stuff and, and some, some kind of quote-unquote portfolio, and I applied. And I actually Got into art and design. So, high school of art and design at the time was on 57th and 2nd in New York City. Pretty cool experience, pretty crazy though, thinking about it. You know, commuting into the city, I would go on a, a walk to the subway, take the subway down, I mean, back and forth. And, you know, listen, I'm, I'm you know, teenager, right? Anyway, so that was kind of what I did. And, and it was a great school. And, it, and, you know, yet early on after they call it the foundation uh, year, you know, it, where you get to exposure to all the different pieces of art. And what, you know, whether it be you want to be an illustrator, do you want to be a graphic designer, do you want to, you know, be a photographer? I had to select one and I chose actually essentially graphic design. And so that's kind of how that path kind of went and uh, got out of college, or got out of high school, rather, applied to one college. Thank God they accepted me. I applied to Parsons School Design, the new school, um, and, and that was in the city, too. So I wound up getting it. I thank God I got, I got accepted. Uh, I was putting all the, you know, the eggs, the one egg in that one basket. That was it. But uh, that's how I went. And, and uh, you know, that's my career. And, and crazy, but, but not the typical. And this also contributed to, we're going to get to, I'm sure, in a bit about the relational side of things. But when you don't have a typical, like, you know, think about it. When you grow, the average person growing up, in, in, especially in middle America, they have a high school. Almost everyone knows them from the neighborhood. They have a college they go to, and then yeah, you're gonna you get get to know people, but there's dormitories and there's a whole college campus kind of experience. I didn't have any of that, none of that. So kind of those two experiences just reinforced this sort of isolation to myself mentality. Not knowing, I really didn't know, or maybe there was a part of me that that was okay with it because I was like, I could go into school and I come home, and that's that. It was like no, so very little relational relationship building going on in high school and college which t- typically is right is especially college is when that that's the formative years of you developing relationship skills and building friendships strong friendships and and kind of the networking thing that you know a lot you know college that's a big part of college right the networking side and they never call it that but that's kind of what it is right you you get to know people and you you meet people at different events and of course you know on campus and all that stuff and have any of that so anyway that's that's kind of how things started for me
0: one, I think having adults like your grandma in your life, like that's what all of us can now be. I always get reminded on these calls when I, I do these interviews that, you know, I'm now the adult who can influence a child in my life, um, my own children, other children to, to do something. Because clearly like that was a path that you were put on that gave you some confidence in a skill, at least, even if you didn't have the relationships in that moment. Um, it, it brought you on a career path that you enjoyed for a while. And I hear what you're saying about these sort of foundational um, relationship moments. Um, you know, even if we aren't all in touch with everyone from college, it is where you're sort of learning a lot of these skills. It's just so fascinating because I, you know, fast forward to who you are today and how I know you, how I know of you as a master connector. And to realize, you know, it, it makes me almost think of um, the movie Milk. About Harvey Milk. There's a moment in that movie where he's, he's laying in bed and he's saying to his lover, I'm almost 40 years old and I haven't done anything with my life. <laughs> you're like, wow. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you're a late bloomer, you know, like for you, there must have been a pitiful moment then, I imagine, where you started to click more and more about this because to go from like living a kind of lonely existence, but being okay with it, like not seeking out anything different to, you know, 17,000 people on your contact list for your phone made my assistant reading that go, oh. And she has like five times as many contacts as I do, but she's constantly like weaving them out. She's like, I don't, when I type in Mark, I don't want to have 19 Mark show up, you know, like, and for you, like, to really consciously develop that and be proud of that. I mean, that's a really dramatic shift from where you started. What begins that shift? Is that also when you're also changing career paths? Like, what, what makes that happen?
1: Yeah, I, it's a good question. And I, I think basically for me, the, the shift started when I met you would, you had mentioned something about wanting to ask about my yeah, mentor. Your mentor. That, is, that is, that is the, the, the pivotal moment for me. Um, I was actually on a plane ride to Ireland. I was working on Guinness beer. I got sent to Ireland. It was the coolest trip in the world. Um, and basically they paid us, I know it's a G-rated show, but a, they paid us five days to pub hop. I'm sure that's not going to offend anybody. That was basically the essence of the trip. And um, it was great. But but on the plane ride, my coworker, Brian, spoke to me about this gentleman and he had described his lifestyle and he had this incredible life. I, I found a lot of similarities, multiple business owner, um, very busy, which I was busy at the time. I was working 60 to 80 hours a week in advertising, teaching and training martial arts four or five nights a week. And because I wasn't busy enough, got involved in real estate, making money on rental property. So, so I had a lot of going on. And, and I think that, number one, I was proud of my work ethic. Been wearing busy like a badge of honor. Looking back at it, it was ugly. But, but I think there was a part of me that, that allowed me to create walls, right? I'm so busy, right? You want? Hey, let's get together. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I just created walls. And then I hear, heard about this life. And I, went, I will say this, my wife and I love traveling. We've done a lot of it over the years. And the more I did, the more I really started to enjoy it. I'm like, and I actually really enjoyed when I mean, you talk about being in different environments, being a new person and all that. And I enjoy travel. Number one, I'm a big foodie. I love eating. Uh, and I enjoyed meeting people. I love going to these places around the world and and eating the food of the land and getting to talk to the, the natives of that area, that land. And, you know, we never like to stay at resorts. We'll always go to the, the non-resort type of situations because we want to We want to eat the real food. We don't want to eat the resort version of the food. We want to eat real food. So starting to meet people and it was intriguing, and you know, and and you know, and I found how friendly people were and how open they were, and it just really started to to plant a little bit of a seed. But when I heard about this gentleman who was financially independent for many years, travels the world, has incredible influence on people, you know, and, and impact on people, I'm thinking, man, I really want that. And he started to get me on a, you know, after fighting tooth and nail for a, a mentoring type relationship. I mean, I really had to fight. Um, you know, I had to stalk him, hunt him down, chase him. I mean, it was crazy. But uh, when I when he finally did and I started to see, wow, and and he helped kind of open my mind up to a path of self-development and and, and the value of mentorship. Right. I, I was living my life, Robbie, where I'll give you a metaphor. I like metaphors, right? So, you know, imagine if, you you know, I I was driving these really cool cars on these beautiful windy Vista roads, just driving really fast, admiring the view, the scenery. But if you ask me where I'm going, I'm like, I don't know, but but it's really cool. You know, I'm in cool cars and I'm in these cool places. And then he said this, essentially, you know, GPS came into my life, a mentor, right? And he's like, okay, where do you want to go? and I told him, he's like, okay, are the cars in the roads that you're on going to take you there? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm having a good time. He's like, well, why don't we look, Why don't we figure out exactly where you want to go and let's reverse engineer it? Like, huh? You know, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Nobody ever said that to me. Right. So, so that put me on a journey of kind of what do I need to do? Not just, not just the vehicle, but number one, where do I want to go? And then I started to relook at Let's figure out the right vehicle and the right activity to get me there. And I realized that, you know what, people are probably going to be need to be an important part of that journey and that, you know, it's it's kind of hard to kind of be successful. I've been, I've now learned, you know, being around the right people and in the right environment around incredible uh, mentorship and leadership is that what true success is, Robbie, is how many people are better because you were here. And that doesn't just happen if you're living your life. Just coming home, you know, back then I was watching network TV, but now it's Netflix, right? You know, back and forth, you know, or even if you're working remote, you know, it doesn't matter what, what's the, what's the purpose of your life and, and who's impacted because you are here. And that's, I started to see that. I saw what impact he had on me. I'll tell another story. I'm trying not to get emotional, but it, 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 it sometimes gets me, you know, and, and there's a, um, dang there's a, there's a, uh, uh, an old man walking on a beach. And as, as you know, he's a skeptical old man, cratchety old man. And he, he sees in the distance this young boy and this young boy is apparently throwing stuff in the water. And as he approaches, he sees hundreds of thousands of these starfish. I guess it must've got washed up on the shore. And as he approaches the old man, you know, the old man approaches the young boy, you know, with this skeptical attitude, he's like, what are you, what are you doing, boy? And a young, young boy says, well, I'm just throwing the starfish back. He's like, there's a hundred thousand of these, these suckers. What, what possible difference are you going to make? And, you know, the young boy bends over, picks up one starfish, throws it in the water. He said, I made a difference for that one. And, you know, what's one life, right? We want to change the world, change the planet, save the world, save the planet, whatever. But what is one life? And, and for me, I've been that starfish that got thrown back. And, and, and now my mission on this planet is how many starfish can I throw back?
0: Yeah, yeah. The com- that's a very popular uh, analogy. And, um, but the, the, the meaning of it's really still hits home. And I, I just, appreciate you sharing like the, the sort of arc of your story here. There's a piece that you sort of brush past that I want to dig into, which is you set your sights on this gentleman being your mentor and not that you necessarily even knew what that meant, <laughs> but you knew you wanted to be in his, uh, in his space more frequently than not. And He's clearly a busy, important person who probably had a lot of gatekeepers and a lot of, a lot of ways to keep people at bay. And you're pretty darn persistent for it to have happened. How did you, how did you past that? I mean, it sounds like that was a bit of effort, but what would you say to someone who was listening and thinking there's someone in my life that I really admire and I would love to be around them more. And I don't know what kind of relationship I'm even asking of them, but I think that it would be really great. And I don't know how I'd ever give back to them. Cause it seemed like they have everything and who am I like? I mean, first of all, you have to get past your own mental reservations of bothering someone and you know, how, how what, what value can I bring to this person's life and all that. But then there's the technical, how do you reach someone who's hard to reach and get on their radar in a, in a way that they notice you?
1: That's a great question. So number one, he wasn't, by the time I met him, he wasn't super busy. Uh, you know, at one point working, he was, years back working 120 hours across multiple businesses, but then was able to get a hold of time and money. So he's, he's not busy, but he does have a lot of family obligations and things that he wants to do, travel and those kinds of things. So what, what I figured out was, all right, I, I heard about him, I was introduced to him, I got to meet him. All right, so now I got to figure out how can I be in his life? How can I add value? Because, you know, again, I, I say again, because I tell this to a good amount of people. And I don't know if there's coaches listening in, and I'm not disrespecting any of the, co- the coaching industry, I'm sure is amazing. It's incredible. But, but I've had, and I've had mentors too, but I've, it's been mentorship from afar. I mean, you know, you look at the Gary V's and the Grant Cardone's, you know, you know all, these, all these great, the, the E.T., the hip hop preacher, there's all these great people out there, right? And there's more, I'm sure I'm not, not even talking about, and, uh, and my lead and all these great people, right? But they're mentors from afar. And I'm like, okay, how could I be in his life? And how can I, and I can, how can I really, you know, make him want to, you know, mentor me because you can come across a really wealthy person or a very successful person and maybe, maybe out of the goodness of their heart, they're going to work with you. They're going to say, I will, I will mentor you. and, And that's great. But if they're so successful, what happens if, and I've heard stories like this where they say, Hey, Steve, Hey, Robbie, I'm sorry, but. Me and my wife are going to take a trip for a couple of years around the world. So we're not going to be able to have this mentoring relationship for a while. I, you know, and so what happened with this situation, and I don't know if it's very common. It's, it was great for me. And I've been able to pay it forward to degrees is I, I found out what businesses he was involved in. And I said, I want to work with you in whatever business capacity I'm doing. If it means doing nothing for, for the next six months to a year, if it means shoveling horse manure. Whatever I got to do to add value for you in your life, I'll be there. I'll learn. I'll figure it out. Uh, you know, I, I want to see the nuances of what you're doing, and, and, and I, and I want to add value. And, and that's what happened. And so in a, it built into a business relationship. Mentorship was in there. And quite frankly, the difference, and I, again, not again, coaching, mentoring, to me, they're very different. But for me, this was mentorship, not just in business, but in life. Very different. And, and I found that the biggest reasons why people succeed or don't succeed in business endeavors is not, well, let me give you better social media tactics on how to, how to leverage social media better. Or let me, let me give you some better ways on how you can invest your money better or you know, deal with people better. No, no, no. It's What deal, deal with people better is actually not a bad one. That's a soft skill. So, but I learned, I, he helped me with the soft skills, you know, with people skills, with mindset challenges with you know there, there was all sorts of other things and and a lot of things a lot of stuff can be often life distractions that was what a big area for me you know uh you know whether it be relationship challenges marital issues you know sometimes people are in toxic relationships and that can be extremely distracting and draining uh it could be financial challenges because they were really stupid with their money and now they're on the verge of bankruptcy or it could be you know really bad health challenges because they were not good with healthy eating habits or weight management or any of those type of things, all those things are factors for why people don't succeed. Not let me, let me see your social media strategy. No, it's, it's, that's tactical, but that's not going to make you success. That's what I learned. It's not going to make you successful. He taught me you build the man or woman uh, or them. He, I know there's all these acronyms now, right? Um, You build the person and that person will then build the business they'll build an asset they'll build whatever they'll build an empire if, they, if that's what they want so so that's what i learned in this in this scenario so i probably gave you more than your question but
0: steve has got great stories well i really uh, i think it's really like the, your persistence your willingness to take on anything that would be a value to this this person i'm curious how old you were at the time that you're reaching out 38 so okay so uh, and at that time, um, did you have a family obligations as well as all your business? Yeah, obligations? I was okay. married,
1: still am, uh, to my high school sweetheart. Uh, so married, horrible marriage at the time. Like, like, you know, my wife's a black belt too. I, I make fun. If you've ever seen the movie, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, you get the visual. If you could see that, um, yeah. that's, that was us. So very distracting in that respect. So one of the things he helped me was with that he's not a marital counselor, but he's, you know, he guided me in that, in that realm, but, but yeah, so no kids though. We, we've been but, but the
0: idea of just being that level of busy and still decide, you know what, I'm going to commit whatever time I can to doing something of value. And I've, I've even said this, you know, if you're trying to get involved with someone who's really busy, offer to go to meetings and take notes, Right up, write up the, write up all the, uh, the notes afterwards and make sure everyone gets their action steps and you know, yeah. photocopy I recorded things, him. Whatever.
1: I, I had digital recorder. I recorded it. That was what I did. Yeah.
0: All, all the things, right. There's always something you can do. You can also teach them about an app. You can, you know, help them with their, their travel itinerary. I mean, like there's just so many things that you can do that you yeah. don't think of because it's something you're maybe a little easier to you. You know, it's not a challenge to you. Sure. Um, I think it's great. Cause I think anytime, you know, I was trying to like broaden this out to other people who are listening. Anytime we're trying to get on someone's radar, it's, it's like thinking about what value you can have, not just, I'm, I need something, but you were like, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I just want to be sort of be witness to what you do in life and in work. Um, I'm curious because you referenced this a little bit. What do you think the distinction is between a coach and a mentor?
1: I think I kind of touched on it. It's, it's the coach is really going to be much more tactical about your, your efforts. Um, and mentor to me is really more, it gets into life stuff. Right. Um, that's the difference. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't coaches that do get into that life stuff too. Um, But, but that was that fundamentally, I think the difference, a coach is going to be much more tactical. Now, I know I've heard of stories of college football coaches and they're involved in helping their, their, their players with life issues, you know, family challenges. So there are, there are those that, that, that roll into that category of mentor too. Right. Uh, but that to me, it is, is where there's real life impact, not just business or tactical impact, but life impact.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So, um, I want to make sure I ask you specifically what habits or philosophies you have around networking. and um, the frame of this question is not just staying in touch with sort of the inner circle people that you know you'll 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 definitely stay in touch with your closest people, whatever you are, with fans, family, you know, um mm-hmm. clients. what What are the second and sort of third layers or tiers? out from that. The people maybe you met once a year at a conference. So you see them every year at the same conference or you work with them five years ago, but you haven't had a reason to since. And I should specify, these are people you like. <laughs> these are people you'd like to stay in touch with. What are habits, philosophies, practices around sort of nurturing and sustaining those, those broader connections?
1: I'm very grateful. I don't know the name of the original founder of LinkedIn, but I'm very grateful of LinkedIn because it, he's, he's helped make my life a lot easier. Um, I think now Microsoft may own it. I, I forget now. But, but anyway, um, most, almost everybody that I connect with, whether it be inside of LinkedIn or not, or, well, obviously, if they're out, outside of LinkedIn, I'm going to see about connecting with them on LinkedIn. Obviously, a big part of my network now is on LinkedIn. I, I think I'm at like close to almost, almost approaching 15,000 connections since that I, I wrote that to you. I was, at, I was at probably just on the verge of 13 plus and now. So it's a growing network. I find LinkedIn is a great way to do it. A couple things. Number one, uh, when I'm networking, I'm always looking to be a go-giver. In fact, I, I asked Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, if it was okay if I put in my title as one of the pieces of my descriptor being go-giver. And he said, sure. He said, thank you for asking. Most people don't ask. They just do it. So I like to be a go-giver. And, and so that, that you know, I'm going in with that. How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can it be a blessing to you? But what I do as a, as a practice is I utilize some of the things that LinkedIn has. Number one, I, uh, I, I, am, I hit the button where it says happy, happy work anniversary. You know, I, I, I haven't figured out how to get back the happy birthday thing. I, I took it off at one point. I thought it was a little bit weird, but so many people do it to me, and I don't think it's weird. So I'm like, maybe I should get, add that back. But happy, happy work anniversary. Congrats on your job change. Congrats on your promotion. I'm always hitting the button. And if they, respond back, I, I'll, I'll send a custom message. Hey, we should, we should reconnect. We should catch up. We should have a call. If we haven't connected, let's have a conversation. Uh, everybody that does connect with me accepts my, to connect with me, everybody. And I, I might change this policy, but it's, it's still to this day, everyone, a message will go out asking, let's jump on a call, video call, or, con- or, or, or a Zoom call, or regular call or Zoom call. Um, so those are some policies because I really want to know what, because I feel like, you know, what good is being connect, connected like this if you don't know much about the person? I believe that's how you and I maybe connected, correct? Right. So, so that's, it's great. And so using LinkedIn, kind of, you know, the algorithms of, you know, it's not algorithms, whatever their, their process, whatever their system is, I use that and I'm reconnecting. And then anyone that I really feel there's really some special connections that I think we can do something specific with, they're, they're, they're in my phone. Uh, I'm going to probably put a calendar reminder in for myself to reach out to them on a, a particular day or time. Um, and that's how I kind of keep up with things. Hopefully that answered your question.
0: Do You have a specific day of the week that you do that follow up the, the people who are in your phone contacts. Do you set aside time each week to, to do that? Is that on a planned schedule?
1: No, it's not. It's not. It's not a, a planned event. It's, it's really just something that I do regularly. Right. The the congrats on your work anniversary. You know, it's, it's my downtime.
0: Yeah. I was thinking more about, you said that there's some people that you, you mark the, uh, to re- to do follow-up on your calendar. Is there a time of the week that you do that follow-up on your calendar? No, just whenever, just, you know, the, whenever you have a moment.
1: Whenever it comes up uh, on my calendar, but I mean, I just have, I have a, a section on Wednesdays at 5 p.m., 5 p.m., I have a uh, you know probably ten to twenty or thirty that kind of pop up for me, and it just says call you know Robbie Samuels or something and and I I'll, I'll it doesn't mean I'm going to call you but it probably means I'll shoot you a text yeah. how's it going uh you know maybe let's catch up or something and or maybe if it's something specific so that's the the system and I don't necessarily only do it on Wednesdays yeah but I do get back to it if I have the time. Uh, and I look at my Wednesday at five slot and I'll get to get to to send out some messages for that.
0: The nice place to hold it, holding pattern for a little while. I had someone else tell me that they did Wednesdays at four and they thought it would be a nice way to break up their own week. And then people are happy to hear from you. They're not rushed. They still have time to finish their projects. The end of the week, they they're into the week they're. So I don't know when that could be something for people to think about getting into a rhythm. Um, and then do you also put content out on social? Are you, is LinkedIn yeah, posting yeah. all that part of your process?
1: Big, big part of the process. Right. So, so, and I, I, could, I should have mentioned that. I could have mentioned it, but so, yeah, I have a, a master connection series show that we've been doing that. Uh, we just had this yesterday. We had Dr. Dre on our show and this week uh, is going to be another great show uh, calling. Fi- uh, the topic is uh, finding clarity on your vision. So it's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. Um, with a group of really amazing panelists. We are taking a bit of a break. Cameron, my co-host, and I are going to be relooking at 2022, and and we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we want to do moving forward? Right now, the show has been – we originally did the first 30 episodes on Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We shifted over to Mondays at – one. actually, it was 2 o'clock Eastern on Fridays. We went into Monday at 1, and we're we're finding not as much engagement, not as much viewership as we were getting – and uh, we, we, we realized that probably Monday's is not a great day. So we're probably looking to shift it to Wednesday's. We were keeping the show one hour. It was, um, it was originally, uh, you know, we had like three or four panelists every week. We might, sh- we might shift to maybe one panelist or maybe sometimes not have, a, not have a, a speaker. So we're doing that and obviously the content on that. And then there's also I do one or two times throughout the week. I'll do some, you know, a, a written post. And then I do every Friday, I do what I call Fire Friday master connector tips. And it's a uh, it was a re- very recently until till recently it was a three to five minute video. Finding out that we're in the TikTok era, we gotta now keep those videos to a minute. So I've been trying to keep my videos to a minute. So every week I do a Friday video and, and that's been a lot of fun, cool engagement on that. So yep.
0: Sounds exciting. All of that sounds exciting, and keeping anything to a minute is hard these days. <laughs> I've got to tell you very hard,
1: especially as you can tell, I have the gift of gab nowadays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You and I come from the same cloth. Um, Well, I, here's some of my favorite questions as we're wrapping up here. Um, You know, I know we're going to stay connected in various ways, plus on LinkedIn. And uh, so let's say it's a year from now. And I say, wow, Steve, you know, I I interviewed you a year ago. I want to know what we'll be celebrating a year from now. Um, If we were toasting to some of your accomplishments in the year ahead, what are you most looking forward to?
1: Yeah, absolutely so m- what I'm looking to grow is a speaking career, right i i um I love the fact of you know if I could figure out a way to combine some of my passions, which is have influence on people, see the world, eat um so the idea of, of having a speaking career where I can be paid to travel the world, speak and inspire unbelievable. So the goal is to just to continue to grow that. Uh, I've got some paid speaking of, uh you know gigs looking to grow that more. So I eventually want to be on a TED Talk stage. So uh, I could see a year from now celebrating TEDx Talk, um, you know, quite a few uh, reels, video reels on some of the speaking gigs I've been able to do uh, as things open up, hopefully more and more uh, or nowadays open up again. uh, You know, we'll we'll be able to do more live events because, you know, video is great, but there's something better. Even greater about being in, in, you know, in in a crowd of people, you know, and and so that would be a great uh, accomplish accomplishment for a year from now for sure. Cameron and I are, are plan got some great plans in place to grow the Master Connections series or the Master Connections brand. We don't know for sure yet what the name of that brand is going to be yet, but uh, doing maybe some workshops, doing some uh, some maybe. Um, maybe a book series at some point. So that that's probably more of a two, three, four year plan. But the start of that, certainly by the tail end of, of, of 2022, I could see that being a, a big accomplishment as
0: well. Wow, I can't wait to hear about all of that and celebrate you. That sounds amazing. So how can people find you and follow your work?
1: Appreciate that. So
0: uh,
1: easiest way to find me, and I just had a battle with GoDaddy. So hopefully they'll have it fixed by the time this airs. Uh, but uh, my website is sp- steve spiro.com, S T E V E S P I R O.com. In that, uh, you can get, there's a lot of links that uh, you can get to um, where it, it, you know, the, I have a speaking website, spiro hyphen global.com. It, it'll, it'll link you to that. So if you just remember anything, go to stevespiro.com. I do have a YouTube channel. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. I do have a LinkedIn page, obviously. And that's, a, that, that's really where I spend most of my world, most of my life as far as social media is concerned and i do have a business page called the master connector uh so if people want to subscribe to the business page that'd be great um, and you, they'll be able to see some of the, the events that are going on that we're, we're doing on linkedin obviously
0: brilliant yeah we'll have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. thank you so much steve really appreciate you joining us for this conversation
1: this was amazing i appreciate the opportunity thank you robbie
0: i hope you enjoyed my conversation with steve What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 272. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And... Don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week. we will be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.